0: In the very first issue of The Word of the Work in the World, January 1882,
1: Dr. Simpson writes of this... Samantha was coming in the bathroom of the toilet. another minute, so... there's of Okay, probably inappropriate. Probably not lost in the room. Right. Turn around and say something to him. Turn around and be like, you did not just say that. Okay. So we, think, we got <laughs> for the, time, what's, well, no. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Carol, but now I'm because it. <laughs> yeah. oh, the the really time, probably okay. She's gonna come after me? I'm <laughs> to yeah. After me I'm <laughs> to yeah, well, that's so good, be really good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And, like, that's just totally a broken trust. And she should move have been right away.
0: She didn't? In the very first issue of The Word, the Work of the World, January 1882, Dr. Simpson writes of this vast region from West to East Africa where the gospel has still not been taken. Within eight years, the newly formed Christian Missionary Alliance was able to send missionaries to what is known as Sierra Leone. The dream was that this would be the entry point into what is French-speaking Africa. By 1919, our first church in West Africa was established. The year that the church is planted in West Africa is the year that Dr. Simpson passed away. He breathed his last, went home to glory. 37 years after he first made the cry and the appeal for taking the gospel to the interior. 37 years of praying. 37 years of perseverance. 37 years of missionaries dying. Some of our strongest Christian Missionary Alliance churches now are within those countries, and Simpson didn't live to see a day of it. Well, we invest our lives in that which outlives us. As we give ourselves to kingdom work, it is Christ himself who said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it.
2: Good morning, everybody. Uh, Let's get started in worship. I'm going to invite you guys to come stand, um, and yeah, just posture yourselves um, to welcome the presence of God, and... Let's get started.
3: You can be trusted in all of your ways, we're singing our own way.
2: for all of the amazing things that you've done for us, um, for just the glory and honor that you bring. Um, we praise you for the wisdom and power um, of your, and we just ask that your kingdom come and your will be done in this time that we spend together in community. In Jesus' name, amen.
4: Amen. Amen. You may have a seat. Good morning, Common Ground. My name is Evan, the lead pastor here, and I'm thrilled that you're worshiping with us this morning. I have a few announcements for you. Um, the first one is a bit of an announcement, but also just a bit of great job, well done. Uh, a bit of praise for you, because this last week, we are pretty sure we finished the last demolition day on the trailer, right? Um, so we're building the Showered with Hope trailer out, so good job. Um, we're building this trailer out to be a shower trailer um, for our neighbors in the community who do not have showers. and. It's been really cool to see, one, you guys just step up and to help, and so on Wednesday, myself, Ted, Chris, Jamin, Zach Crossman um, jumped on in and stripped this thing clean so that Kilowatt Electrical can come in and wire all the electrical in, and then we have a plumbing company in town, Loyal Plumbing, that is going to do all the plumbing. And I just want to make it clear, because I don't know if you guys realize how big this is, but Kilowatt Electrical and Loyal Plumbing, they're doing all this work just voluntarily, um, out of the generosity of their own heart. So I don't know how much money, yeah, I, I mean, huge praise for them. Um, one, I think it speaks to Ted, your just amazing ability to rally people around this cause, but I think it really speaks to our community's desire to see this um, vision lived out and to see people rallying around it. I don't know how much it would cost to get a full trailer like that wired in, um, to have hot water tanks, to have um, the ability to run hair dryers, straighteners, anything that we need, fans and all that stuff, and then to be able to have the plumbing. I don't know what the cost of something like that would be, but these people, these companies, um, have decided to do that for free, uh, labor and stuff. And so great job on all that. So with that, once they're done, uh, we're going to jump on in and make it home, uh, make it usable once the plumbing and electrical is in. And so if you haven't been able to help yet, I would say stay tuned for updates on that so that you could join us and that we could continue um, to rally around this project and to see it to completion. Um, the next one I have for you is these practicing our faith guides. So we have a little picture here of how to find them on our website. Um, but we really believe, as Jesus said, you know, blessed is the one that doesn't just hear my words, but the ones who live it out. And so we really believe that following Jesus, um, it's a lifestyle. It's not just this information that we learn, but it's this information that we learn that transforms the way that we live. And so we've been creating these practicing our faith guides that are available on our website. And I think we do have some printed copies in the lobby as well that will really help you to focus on how exactly do we live out what we're learning on sunday throughout the week and so if you pick up one of these guides if you follow that link click on resources and then it'll be on like weekly devotional then you'll see like the image of the sermon on the mount you can click that that will guide you through uh what that might mean for you in your everyday life of how to practice this um if this is what we learned if this is what jesus is saying This is a guide that will help you to actually live that out day to day. And so I would highly encourage you um, to go onto the website, to follow these. And throughout the week, or maybe you pick a day this week, to lean into that guide. To lean into that practice, that devotional. So that we can continue to see ourselves transformed by the message of Christ. So that we can continue to see ourselves look more like him. Um, Because it's truly our desire to look like him and to be like him in the world. And so follow those guides practicing our faith guides under resources weekly devotionals Then you can click through there another thing that we've been starting up is a greeting team uh, mark and carol cole are going to be heading that up they are in florida this week on vacation and so they weren't here to greet you and so they said hey we're going to start this greeting team and then we're going to leave as a good reminder that we need help and so look at that you guys it can't just be all on them but they volunteered to coordinate it so some of you have already come up to me and volunteered to do that to show up early and just to be a welcoming face in the lobby there and so if you would also like to do that let me know and i can get you on the list for that to be on the greeting team um last one i don't think i have a slide for it but there is a clipboard bouncing around because as many of you know and many of you already signed up to host some of the biker missionaries that are coming from pennsylvania to the sturgis rally in august um and we thought we had enough for them Uh, a bunch of people signed up to host them because they're coming to distribute bibles to preach the gospel and to, to help people at the sturgis rally during that time but they have added three more people to their team and so we're celebrating that we're like wow that's great but also okay now we need a few more beds and a few more places for them to stay and so if you would be willing to sign up i think we just need two more people to fill that out and to be able to host these guys coming um, because they're going to be here august 5th through the 12th um, as they are coming as missionaries to our city um, to do some important work and so we want to be able to host them to be able to provide for them because as you know um A lot of price gouging happens during the rally. Hotels, not very cheap. Camping spots, impossible to find. So we want to host these guys. And they're Alliance family. They're from an Alliance church there in Murrysville, Pennsylvania. And so we'd love to be able to welcome them in, get to know them. Some of you have met them in the past. They were here three years ago. And so this is a good time to reconnect and to hear all that has been happening there and as you're thinking about that just remember um that the work that they're doing isn't necessarily like the easiest thing in the world as they are at the sturgis rally it's not like everyone is just coming up to them and saying oh thank you so much for being here we love you yeah of course jesus is the best um what uh as i was talking to their pastor what they're really preparing for as they get ready to send their team is they're getting their people trained and ready essentially to respond to a lot of hate and animosity how do you respond when people say mean words to you, um, when women maybe get in your face with some things that you don't really want in your face, and how do they deal with these things that they're going to face at the rally? Because that apparently is just what happens to them the whole time that they're there. And so as you're thinking a, about them, um, be praying for some of those things. Be praying that they would live out essentially what we're going to be talking about today. And that's how to respond maybe to harsh words, how to respond to insults and those sort of things. But also, if you can, if you'd like to host, if you'd like to meet some interesting biker missionaries, please sign up to host them. And I think this is a great way that we can continue to partner uh, with people who are building the kingdom of God. You guys got all that? Sweet. Well, that's all the announcements I have for you this morning. And so with that, I'm going to go ahead and invite you to your feet. And would you just greet one another this morning?
0: Good morning. How's it going? morning.
1: and the ten and the the what's in the to the to 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 to
2: Uh should we go three minutes? We're almost at three minutes. Well yeah, I looked at the clock at ten thirteen. So it could have changed like right after Glad to see you here. <laughs> yeah, that was a good high time. to give all that we are to your your greatness. Um, Yeah, help us to want to change from the inside out, to be more like you, to be people of the kingdom, to um, listen to your Holy Spirit um, well and be obedient to um, your great plan. Um, we're now going to go into a time of offering. Uh, you'll see on the screen in a little bit. Yeah, there we go. Um, there are three ways to give. You can give in person, online and through text. Um, and the little QR code there will bring you to the online um, giving. So. um we want to invite you to be a part of the ministry, to be a part of um, what God is doing here and in our community and all around the world. And so this is why we have this um, as an option and it helps to support Evan and Lena and um, yeah, <laughs> so um, yeah, feel give as you feel called. So um, we're going to go into another song. Um, I chose "Be Thou My Vision" yet again <laughs> um, because recently uh, this has meant a lot to me. Um, when I was back home in Sioux Falls, uh, I was like, "Dad, like, what is your life song?" And he was like, "Be Thou My Vision," and um, I was like, "Okay, like, that's a solid choice," um, <laughs> uh, but like, I hadn't I hadn't really like thought about the words or like really like understood or took them in so i i was doing that i was meditating on those and i was like yeah (laughs) that's a good one um because really it's just a prayer it's a prayer that uh, god would be everything to us that he would be um the way we view the world that he would be um just our source of wisdom and so um as we're praying this or playing this (laughs) feel free to pray it um so yeah let's let's get into it
5: Praise team. Uh, we are now entering into our time of prayer and shifting everything on the platform, all that sort of thing. One of the things we really like to stress here at Common Ground is community. Uh, That's the reason we're here today. Uh, We gather to be with one another, to be the family of God with one another, and as the family of God to encourage one another and to spur one another on towards love and towards good good deeds. Um, It's not just an individual lone wolf approach to faith. Uh, A lot of people get that idea about Christianity, but it's one that we can say, Hey, we're here in this together. We want to support one another. And uh, prayer is one of our ways to exercise our community, to pray for one another. Now you know here at Common Ground that we really do encourage you to share the burdens of your heart or the joys of your heart. um, And so that we can stand with you. The Bible says to weep with those who weep, rejoice with those who rejoice. And that enables us to be able to do that. So we want to hear uh, your concerns, your your requests, and we want to. Evan and I have been talking. We want to enhance ways that you can communicate those uh, with us and do that. So sometimes on Sundays we share those things, and someone runs around with a microphone, and um, we hear those things. And we encourage you to uh, to bring journals with you uh, to write down those requests, so that we're not just praying on Sunday because nobody hears a magic prayer genie. Okay, um, it's the work of the church together uh, to do that sort of thing. So uh, we often will encourage you to do that and to pass those things around so that uh, you are able to pray throughout the week along with us. Sometimes we're going to be doing some things on Sundays that are going to involve not only just praying with one another, but also kind of equipping us to pray more in our lives. Is anybody here satisfied with your prayer life? Yeah, me either. either. So we thought it'd be good if we could even use some of these times maybe to to really kind of learn together and to lean in together uh, into these times of prayers, all right? So that's what we're going to do today. Something that uh, we want to do more of is to equip you to pray from God's Word, to actually pray God's Word back to Him. Wait, If you ever wondered, well, what's the best thing to say when I'm praying? You ever thought, you know, what if I say the wrong thing or or something? I don't think you can, you know. I think it's just a simple conversation with God. But when we take his word that he breathes into us and we pray it back to him, I think we can have some pretty solid assurance that we're praying according to God's will. Jesus even said, whatever you ask in accordance to my will, my Father will do for you so that's something we want to uh, get stronger in. Now there's no magic recipe, there's no sure formula that works for everybody because our relationship with God in community also is very individual because we're all unique, aren't we? And the way that God relates to us can be different from one in another. Uh, so uh, what I can only do is kind of give you pointers. In today's or I should say this week's Uh, discipleship guide that evan mentioned Uh, psalm 31 is going to be something we're going to ask you to look at this week and uh, it's a long psalm and i wouldn't say hey try to pray the whole psalm all in one sitting but to break it down in sizable chunks And today I want to give one portion of Psalm 31 as kind of an example of the way that we can do that. See, what you're doing is you're looking for things that you can relate to in the verse. Uh, There's going to be lots of emotions that you might connect with, especially in the Psalms. There can be a lot of theological training that happens as we go into the Psalms and we get a bigger picture of who God is, and that enables us to speak out to him in his, accordance to his character uh, and that sort of thing. Now, I do want to share with you uh, some prayer needs, okay? Though we're not running the mic today, I do want you to be made aware of some things where, as a church, as common ground, we do need to stand with one another and stand together. And in those, uh, these particular needs, they all kind of revolve around well, loss. Um, Ted just spoke with me and let me know that another of our community, the, especially amongst our homeless neighbors and friends, was lost again uh, this week. And uh, that community's been seeing a lot of that. And Moy I, I know how much it breaks Ted and Kara's hearts when that happens, because I sit back there and I see that when you share this with me. So please stand with Ted and Kara and the Hope Center and all other ministries that are working uh, to reach out to our friends here in this community. Uh, Camp Halawasa is up and running this week. And uh, I was speaking with Logan this morning, and they lost one of their male counselors. And uh, you're, you're coming up in a couple of weeks, two weeks, okay? And, uh, and that person was also going to be their, their worship leader, guitarist sort of thing. So uh, please stand with Logan and Daniel as they prepare for that week, and please pray for the camp that's happening this week—the elementary age kids—and uh, really lift them up. And uh, and maybe even God might lay on your heart that uh, maybe you can help out, or maybe you know somebody that can help out in in this need. Okay. And then uh, finally, a really hard a really hard one. You know, we've been praying with Kayla and Josh Porto for Kayla's mom. And last week, um, well, Kayla's mom left us to enter into eternity. And so uh, I'm just going to ask you if you would, you know, surround the Portos over here uh, with your love. Surround them with your prayers. Stand with them. Let them know that nobody has to walk through this this stuff alone. Um, Does it make it easier? I don't know that it does. Loss is never easy. But it is good to know that we have family. Uh, that are supporting us and are with us uh, during these times okay so here's the section from psalm 31 i'm looking at verses 11 through 16 and this is a really good section if you ever feel like man the whole world just seems to be against me right now ever felt that way Okay, Things just aren't working out, and sometimes even relationships can kind of flare up or something like that, and you just might feel a little bit beat up and wonder, man, who is on my side? Who is on my side? Well, here's what Psalm 31, verses 11 through 16 says, and then I'm going to pray a prayer based on the statements that we find here. Because of all my adversaries, I have become a reproach, especially to my neighbors, And an object of dread to my acquaintances, those who see me in the street flee from me. I've been forgotten like one who is dead. I have become like a broken vessel, for I hear the whispering of many, terror on every side, as they scheme together against me, as they plot to take my life. But I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hand. Rescue me from the hand of my enemies and from my persecutors. Make your face shine on your servant. Save me in your steadfast love. Now, there might be a lot of things in the language of the psalmist there that go, well, that doesn't sound like anything I'm going through. Uh, But there are some similarities that we can find in we can grab a hold of and say that's something i understand that's something I, I know that's something i can pray about so common ground will you join me as uh, as we pray this morning as we bow before the lord again like i said i'm not a magic prayer genie uh, i'm just a voice up here but each of us in our heart can agree together and speak to the lord with one another so uh, let us pray Heavenly Father, as we come together in this place before you, we acknowledge that we can only do that because of Jesus Christ. So it's in his name that we come to you. It's in his name that we gather together. It's in his name that we now pray. And Lord, we understand that the scriptures, the Bible, are all given to us to to understand and to see Jesus that even before he was clothed in flesh and walked amongst us, you were making him known to us through even the Psalms and the the times of suffering and the times of pain, the times of hurt, the times of rejoicing, the times of praise are actually reflective of who he is and the life that he lived. So Lord, draw us into your word draw us into Psalm 31 this week. Help us to see our Savior, our King, our Healer, the one who makes us holy in those words. And Lord, teach us to pray the way that you would have us pray. So Lord, from that Psalm, from that section we read today, this we lift up to you. God, it's easy for us to feel ashamed even those who are closest to us don't understand all that is in our hearts and Lord we would not be surprised if others might even avoid us at times Lord we see and we know that your adversary like a roaring lion seeks to devour us He aims to discourage us, to draw us toward despair, maybe even to make us question our own standing with you. Lord, his plots against us are endless. But by faith, we choose to stand with you. Through the finished work of your Son, through Jesus, we are able to say, you are our God. We will say it again, I am his and he is mine. So, Lord, our lives are your possession. And because of that, we trust you to protect us and to provide for us. Rescue us, Lord, from all who would set their face against us. And may your face shine upon your body, the church. Father, your love remains steadfast and your grace is sure. Help us to walk, to live, and to serve in the salvation that you have given us. In short, Lord, what we say today is that we don't trust in the way people treat us to determine who we are in you. We don't trust our circumstances to tell us who we are in you, Lord. We trust in Christ and Christ alone. May we not be shaken as we walk in faith, as we walk in love, as we walk in community with one another and you. And now, Lord, we pray that your spirit would bring comfort to those who are dealing with loss with those who are hurting lord missing someone that they care about dearly lord we love josh and kayla and we know that you love them more than we ever could so we just pray that you will surround them with your steadfast enduring love and that you'd bring comfort with your presence we pray, Lord, that you would bring provision to Camp Halawa,sa Hallowassa where, uh, where there has been one who has stepped back. We pray, God, that you will raise up another who will step in and that you will make these weeks of camp an amazing time of making your salvation known to young people. And, Lord, we pray for our homeless community. Lord, may they not be forgotten. May we remember them throughout this week. Will you put their faces in front of us constantly? Will you help us to learn their names, to hear their stories, and to remember, God, that they are your children. And as we treat the least of these in our community, it's it's really how we're treating you. So, God, we pray, help us as your body to reach out, in love towards them. And now, God, as our pastor comes to preach your word to us today, would you open our ears, would you open our hearts, and would you prepare our spirits to receive what you want to tell us? Help us, Lord, in this next period of time here to, to lean into you, to hear our Father's voice so that we would know what we ought to do. Lord, today we want to see Jesus. We want to see him clearly. So make yourself known to us. And God, as you do that, may we be your people. Comforted and encouraged, even emboldened in that knowledge. That we are yours. And you are ours. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen.
4: Thank you, Nick, for leaning into that time. And a good reminder, um, don't let that be the end of your prayer, um, as he said. As we continue to remember the things that um, we prayed about this morning, Uh, would you lean into Psalm 31 and pray those words um, over those in our community, over those in our family. Um, But now we're going to shift gears. Um, We're getting back into the Sermon on the Mount, where we have been uh, for a few weeks now. We are following some of Jesus' most central teachings throughout the summer. And now I think it's been six or seven weeks, and we're almost done with the first chapter. Um, So we've been working our way through this fairly slowly. Um, and we reach a section that many of you have heard before. Um, The section that we're going to be in today um, is so well known that it has inspired countless people throughout the centuries. Uh, Many revolutions and movements have been inspired by these words um, because some of the best moments in human history, I think, have taken place because people have taken these words of Jesus seriously. And then when we look at some of the worst moments in human history, I think... That's because people didn't take these words seriously enough. And so as we look at historical figures like Martin Luther King Jr. and the Civil Rights Movement, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who stood up to the Nazis, um, Jim Elliott, the missionary who died at the hands of of a tribe in the Amazon, on the highest highs and the lowest lows in human history, are really determined by how seriously we take these words of Jesus that we're going to look at today. And these words that we're going to look at today... Um, are so well-known and so common that they've actually just become kind of common idioms in our culture. You've heard, turn the other cheek. You've heard, give them the shirt off your back. And you've heard, go the extra mile. Those phrases that have become idioms in our culture are actually what we're going to look at today. Um, Though we are very familiar with it, I think we are going to have to kind of step back from our cultural understanding of what that idiom means And actually, we're going to try to look at what Jesus actually meant. What did Jesus actually say when he said that? And so last week, we talked about how fighting the devil, fighting evil in this world, really begins with fighting the evil within us. And it's a fight that's fought with honesty against lies. It's fought on the battleground of truth, so to speak. And if you didn't listen to that because you were camping last week, like I know many of you are, I would encourage you to go online and re-listen to that. But this week, um, we're going to look at, again, how to confront the evil in the world, but it's how to respond to the evil that we face. How do you respond when evil shows up right in front of you, where you interact with it? And really what I think um, Jesus was intending for us here is that the response to evil in the world, the response to evil when it comes face-to-face with us, as we respond with selfless love and i think we respond to the evil in our world with selfless christ-like love and so if you find your way to matthew chapter 5 we're going to look at this very well-known section of jesus's teaching today and we're going to determine what exactly this means for us but we're going to begin in verse 38 and we just have a few verses up to verse 42 So, Matthew, chapter 5, verse 38, and the words will be on the screen as well. So, Jesus is teaching. He says, you have heard it said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. This is God's holy word. Okay, so this is, I would say, kind of a hard teaching of Jesus here. I think mainly because for me, this is not exactly how I would naturally want to respond, maybe to evil in our world. When I initially read this, I really wish that what Jesus had said is that when someone slaps you, like, you just slap that fool right back. But Jesus doesn't exactly say that. Instead, he's laying out this completely different way of responding to evil in our world. And he gives four examples of what this might look like. It's four examples. There's the slap, the coat, the mile, and the money here. He's giving these four examples of what that might look like as you respond to evil in the world. And each response is really his act of selfless, Christ-like love that we display. It's essentially when faced, someone who slaps you, who demands your coat, Forces you to walk a mile, asks you for money, the response of selfless love does what's best for that person, even if it is not what's best for you. Which is a really hard teaching. One to just accept, and it's a whole nother thing to live out. But Jesus gives these four examples on that. And he starts out by introducing this idea. You know, you've heard it said: an eye for an eye, a tooth for the tooth, a tooth for tooth. Um, and this is actually one of the oldest laws in human history. Um, in Latin, it's called the law of lex talionis, or the law of retribution. Tit for tat, maybe you heard it called. Um, and at first glance, it seems a little barbaric, right? Like if someone knocks out your tooth, you get to knock out theirs. It seems kind of wild. Um, but actually, the intent really um, wasn't to be done like victim to perpetrator here, um, but it was really intended to just show how the punishment must be fit for the crime, Right? And this has actually still influenced a lot of justice systems around the world today, that the punishment must be fit to the crime. Um, And really the purpose of this wasn't to give you permission for revenge or to hurt someone who's hurt you, um, but it was really to kind of rein in revenge and retaliation. Because oftentimes, and many of us have experienced this, we know this, that if someone hurts us, if someone wrongs us, um, we typically don't really want to get even. We actually want to like win one up then right like if someone knocks out one of our teeth we want to knock out all of their teeth if someone breaks our finger like we want to break their arm right and because the human condition is really bent towards revenge and to going beyond what has happened this law was put in place just to kind of rein that back in to rein it back in and to say well the punishment must be fit for the crime because instead our natural tendency is to go way beyond that so the heart behind this command was okay in the court of law a judge is going to you know dole out these punishments based on the crime that was taking place it's to rein in this endless generational violence but what jesus is saying at the beginning of this is that though this law is in place and it's keeping generational violence from just getting out of hand it's not actually solving the real problem that it's not actually solving the fact that these things are still being done to people in general it's putting a barrier on just this endless violence but it's not preventing it and so jesus is offering a new way a better way than just a punishment that's fit for the current and he's recommending not just punishing for these things but actually selfless love in response now it was martin luther king jr in the middle of the civil rights movement in 1967 who wrote this in response to a lot of people who were really questioning um how they had been, uh, it's too big a text, isn't it? Who were really questioning how peaceful he had been. And they said, why don't you just rise up and fight violently um, for what you're after? And Martin Luther King Jr. said this. He said, in the guilt and confusion confronting our society, violence only adds to the chaos. It deepens the brutality of the oppressor and increases the bitterness of the oppressed. Violence is the antithesis of creativity and wholeness. It destroys community and makes brotherhood impossible. The ultimate weakness of violence is that it is, it is a descending spiral, begetting the very thing it seeks to destroy. Instead of diminishing evil, it multiplies it. Through violence, you may murder the liar, but you cannot murder the lie, nor establish the truth. Through violence, you may murder the hater, but you do not murder the hate. In fact, violence merely increases hate. And so it goes, returning violence for violence multiplies violence, adding deeper darkness to a night already devoid of stars darkness cannot drive out darkness only light can do that hate cannot drive out hate only love can do that so this beautiful picture of description from martin luther king jr was actually in response to jesus's teaching here that's what inspired him to write this he's saying well the model that jesus gave us was he came to be the light of the world he came to show through his other focused his enemy focused love how evil is defeated and so as jesus is critiquing this eye for an eye tip for tat law he's suggesting this other way this other way and then at the beginning of this passage it says at least in the niv that we read it said do not resist the evil person um, and at first glance it kind of sounds like we just have to be a doormat and get walked on there just accept your fate um, let it happen but it's really not the case um, and it's kind of a tricky word to translate into english here And a better translation or a word that maybe some of your versions might have instead of resist was do not oppose or do not retaliate or do not seek revenge on an evil person. And it's the New Testament scholar N.T. Wright who says that a good translation of this would probably be do not use violence to resist evil. Essentially, do not respond to violence with violence. Don't try to fight fire with fire because you actually have to burn down every single tree for that to work. And so he's saying when interacting with evil, Don't react and respond to evil with more of the same. Jesus is offering this new way, this creative way of love here. He says live in a way that doesn't just limit violence or limit evil, but actually puts an end to it, that actually stops the cycle, that actually makes a significant change to it. That we are to live in a way that actually changes others, that actually expresses a changed heart. And he actually says, well, those resources for doing that, the Holy Spirit actually provides. And in Romans chapter 12, Paul teaches on a very similar topic. Where in Romans 12, verse 17. He says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heat burning coals on his head. And that's not a way of like really creatively murdering someone. Um, That's essentially saying like you're letting someone borrow your lighter and you're helping to heat their home. It's a nice thing to do. Um, He says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And these four examples that Jesus gives here are actually four examples of that very thing. It's almost like Paul was a follower of Jesus. This is what he's teaching. Do not overcome evil with evil, but overcome evil with good. And so, looking at Jesus' four examples here, um, let's take them one by one as we look at how to overcome evil with good. Um, This first one, is the slap right you've heard the idiom turn the other cheek jesus said if anyone slaps you on the right cheek turn them the other cheek as well okay so if we think about this someone is slapping you on the right cheek and your average person was right-handed how would they have to slap you to do that if you're picturing that it's actually it's a backhanded slap right Hit you with their backhand, and this is actually key to Jesus's example here, because this is not a punch. This isn't a physical attack. This is like a shameful backhanded slap. It's the intent is not to kill you. The intent is to insult you in this moment. And I know some people try to make this um, about self-defense, so to speak. But a backhanded slap most likely will not end a person's life. Um, and if someone were to come up here and to backhand slap me, don't sit there and think, "Oh no, is Evan going to die?" Uh, give me some credit. I think I can handle this slap. Like, it's not an invitation, but give me some credit. Um, and so this this really isn't about, like, being attacked with physical violence. This isn't a threat to someone's life. This is really being insulted. This is a threat to someone's image, a threat to their emotions, a threat to their pride here. That this is an attempt to shame the other person. This is someone who has insulted you and shamed you, who is degrading you. And if this happens really i mean there are two options that i could think of um the first option is you just take it be a victim yeah you're right i deserve that slap and you do nothing to confront the evil you just roll over or a second option would be to fight back right a slap didn't hurt you so now you can make it hurt and you can change that to a punch that would be a pretty common response to something like this but jesus says no 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 what if there're actually a third option what if there's another way to respond to this what if instead you turn the other cheek you offer the other cheek to them jesus says and this isn't as many say this isn't like to even it out um, because one cheek is red now you get the other one red like the purpose of this so if you imagine someone has just backhanded you they're standing in front of you now if you're going to offer your left cheek to them how easy is it to backhand that exact cheek not really practical right in order to slap you again, they'd have to slap you like this forehand, which, just like in our culture today, like in that day, a Middle Eastern man would not have been cut dead forehand slapping another man. That's just not really a tough guy thing. Um, And same with our culture as well. And so they wouldn't have been tempted to slap you forehand. What you're essentially saying is now what you're going to have to do is punch, right? And it's essentially saying like, well, you've insulted me why don't you just go ahead and finish the job go ahead and punch me because that's essentially what this insult has done the only option left is to punch and i think what jesus was getting at here is that hopefully in the process of showing them that the next step would be a straight-up punch they would see this move of yours and hopefully they would see their own wickedness hopefully they would see that they've gone too far because it can be really easy to just excuse an insult it can just be easy to excuse a backhanded slap I mean, it's not going to kill them they're going to be okay in our culture we can say these words we can insult people and we know that there's a line with insulting and so a few little insults here you know maybe telling someone they're like garbage here like isn't that bad like it's bad but it's not that bad and we kind of draw those lines and what jesus is pointing out is we have to show that any kind of hate any slap is an act of egregious violence on the other person that why is a punch wrong but a backhanded slap is final. why there's no difference jesus is saying just before this in the beginning of chapter five jesus said that you are guilty of murder if you even hate someone or that if you say to another you fool you're in danger of the fire of hell jesus was saying that even insulting and hurting the dignity and the feelings of another person is essentially punching them, murdering them. It is an act of intense violence. And we like to draw these lines like, well, slapping is okay, punching is not. But Jesus is saying, no, the line is way further back. That even the insult is an act of disgusting violence. And so if this is the first example, you respond... Um, today you probably won't get backhanded that doesn't really happen a lot i hope not for you Um, but you will probably get insulted by other people's words right if someone wants to shame you and degrade you easiest way to do that is with words right a verbal attack here verbal attack there and so we have to use a bit of our biblical imagination because each one of jesus's examples here is right out of the first century but what would that look like then for us to turn the cheek so to speak when we have been slapped, when we've been insulted, when someone has degraded us. First and foremost, it's obviously not slapping back. It's obviously not insulting back when the words have come at us. But I think there also has to be this creative way of of showing evil for what it is, of holding a mirror up, so to speak. Saying, like, you think a slap is fine? What do you feel about a punch? Because those are the same things. You have done... The same thing, and it's not for the purpose of making the other person just feel bad and feel ashamed, like as if kind of a weird way of slapping. But it's holding up a mirror to show that they're acting unjustly, that they are acting in accordance with evil, not in accordance with Jesus's words here. In a way of saying, "Look at yourself. Look at what is happening." I think we have to be creative with what this looks like, and I think especially as we respond to the slap in our lives. The temptation is going to be, well, you've hurt me, let me show you how bad I can hurt you. But instead, I think the call is just to show others. It's almost to offer a way out, so to speak. To show them the way that they're acting, of the evil that they're perpetrating here. To show this evil for what it is, the wickedness. And to stand courageously in the face of it. Stand courageously in the face of that slap. So that's the first example we've heard that a lot turn the other cheek the second one is the shirt and the coat right we've heard the idiom of you know giving someone like their shirt off your back and really that is inspired by jesus's words here if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt hand over your coat as well now notice the setting has changed you're like in a courtroom here at this point someone is suing you Um, Someone has something against you And this was pretty common in that day Especially between the cultural conflict That existed with the Roman occupiers And the Jews who lived there It was pretty common Especially if you're Roman And you had something against a Jew Is you sue them in order to get their land Because Jews did not believe in selling land And so one of the ways you could get their land Is to sue them and to take that And in the process If you really hated that other person You just sue them for all their worth You take all of their possessions as well And in this case The person is really going after all of their possessions, even after the shirt on their back. Or some of your versions might say, like, the tunic that they're wearing. And this shirt um, was really this, like, long, single-piece article of clothing. The typical outfit for both men and women in that time was: you have this tunic, this shirt, and then you got your coat over it. And this tunic, this shirt, really was kind of like your everyday wear. It functioned as your underwear because it was long, and it functioned just as your shirt. When I read this and I imagine what that would be like if someone wanted to sue me for my underwear, I would honestly say that's weird, but here you go. Nonetheless, this is happening for this person. Um, But losing your shirt really wouldn't be that bad. Um, You'd probably have a few more. Um, The coat was a different story, however. Um, Unless you're a really wealthy person, you probably only had one coat. And this coat wasn't just something you wear out in the day, but it also served as your blanket at night. Um, So this is something that kept you warm at night and i know we think about the middle east and israel as being so warm compared to south dakota and it really was Um, but israel on average is up over about 2500 feet so it could get pretty cold at night and because of this it was actually illegal you couldn't actually sue someone just for their coat because that was just seen as horribly unjust i mean that person might freeze to death and these coats were really expensive and hard to get and so the setting here is you're in court your enemy's after everything you've got. I mean, what are the options? What are, what are the responses? Obviously, we could just give in, take my shirt, take my land, take everything I have, and you could just leave angry, hating this person forever. And that's it. You're just the victim. You just hate that person forever. Or, of course, you could fight it. You could lawyer up. You could go after his land. You could go after his shirt. You know, you could go after everything that they have. Go down swinging. Uh, but Jesus... He's offering another option here. And the option that he's offering is actually really dramatic when you read it. Because if the typical outfit was a shirt plus a coat... I'll give you a little math problem here for you geniuses. You walk into the courtroom wearing two articles of clothing. You have now handed over two articles of clothing. How many articles of clothing are you wearing? (laughs) Zero, right? Okay. What is he getting at here? Yeah. What are you left with? You are standing in the courtroom with nothing. And this is honestly kind of crazy, but it really is an intense act of protest at this time. Um, Because in that day and age, it wasn't just embarrassing to be in public, not clothed, but it was embarrassing for everyone who had to look at you. So now everyone in that courtroom is thinking, what a terrible day to have eyes. And now I'm angry and I'm uncomfortable and they're going to be mad but really whose fault is it that you're standing there that everything has just been taken from you well it's the person who's suing you and so everyone else in the room uncomfortable embarrassed seeing this as injustice seeing that you might freeze to death that very night would most likely step in and say look this is going too far this lawsuit has gone too far like you need to stop this and this is obviously not about justice. This is obviously not about this person doing something wrong. This is obviously not about them having a punishment that's fit for the crime. You've gone too far here. And I think Jesus' suggestion here is to expose, quite literally, evil's intentions. Right? That this is not a justice issue. This person is just out for your destruction. They're just out to get you to see you hurt, just to fulfill their own desire if it were really a justice issue they wouldn't do that they wouldn't even take your coat they wouldn't be happy with that and hopefully in the process they would see that they've gone too far hopefully in the process they would see that they have just abused you in a way that is not okay that they have gone too far Jesus gives this creative example of how to do this but this creative example is really uncomfortable is it not? That would be really hard to do. And I think we're going to have to use our imaginations on this one for what it would look like today. (laughs) Because anytime we're mistreated, it's probably not the answer then to do that exact same thing. Um, But really, Jesus is calling us to be willing to be uncomfortable to stand up to injustice. To be willing to be uncomfortable when standing up to the evil that we're faced with. Right? That are you willing to see something wrong to see something unjust in our world and are you willing to expose it for what it is even if you're going to be embarrassed in the process even if you are going to be insulted in the process even if it's not going to be the easiest most comfortable thing for you so i think that's what jesus is getting at here because when we think about how jesus responded to how jesus reacted to evil jesus himself was stripped naked slapped was spit was put on a cross and in his shame he said loud and clear i am doing this because i want evil to end i want the shame that you feel because of sin to end jesus says the shame that you feel because of your sin is now going to be defeated and you'll be clothed with my righteousness jesus essentially as he stood naked on the cross gave us his coat that we could wear and he quite literally gave us everything he had and he saved us and this is the way that Jesus responded to and fought evil in a way that we can't even comprehend in an amazing powerful way and Jesus says that in your day-to-day life you might even have very small little reflections of how you could show what I've done through being willing give everything you have through being willing being comfortable in this way because that's what jesus did on the cross right he showed humanity what he was all about in that moment because when he died on the cross for our sins he obviously forgave our sins and he was the atonement but in the process jesus showed just how wicked evil is when we think about how the image or the logo for the christian faith is a cross we might kind of overlooked the fact that that is a oh, means of capital punishment right and in the process it really displays just how wicked humanity is that when jesus defeated sin he was also just expressing how evil and wicked sin is in the process that he came preaching love and healing people and humanity killed him showing the wickedness of the human heart in the process and so this act of handing over the coat this is our This is a powerful way of just displaying the wickedness in the human heart. The real intentions that are often somewhere beneath the surface. But obviously this might mean as we seek to follow Jesus in this world, as we respond to evil, we might have to do this in ways that make us uncomfortable. We might have to do this in ways that even display our own sin in the process. Uh, Maybe this means as we share our testimony, as we share what Jesus has done for us, Um, We don't leave out um, that nasty part that doesn't make us look very good But we share even that part because of how it displays god's goodness And so consider this week what that might look like that that handing over of the coat Verse 41 So we go to this next example Jesus says if anyone forces you to go one mile go with them two miles, right? Go the extra mile is the idiom that we hear in our culture today Go the extra mile And as we know, in the first century, Israel was occupied by the Romans, and so there were soldiers everywhere. And under Roman law, a Roman soldier or even just a political leader could grab anyone and everyone off the street and force you to carry their stuff up to one mile. And often what would happen is, you know, if a criminal got caught stealing something and that stuff was confiscated, well, the soldier didn't want to have to carry that back to wherever it's going to go, and so they would find a random person off the street, here, carry all this stuff. So, going one mile with a soldier, it could be as easy as carrying something small, like their helmet or their lunch, or it could literally be a wheelbarrow full of stuff. Um, just depended on what they needed at that time. But can you imagine one like how messed up and inconvenient that would be? Right? Like you're out running errands, you're on your way to work, maybe you're on a date, and the soldier just grabs you and says, Hey, come with me. You're gonna carry this for one mile, hands you like a heavy bag of stolen stuff hopefully it's not like a bank robber that has just robbed a bunch of silver and you have to carry all of that but a whole mile later you'd finally be done now you're probably a mile away from where you wanted to be now once you've walked that mile once you've finished that what do you think the soldier is probably going to do in that moment just say like hey thanks for that you saved me some time and effort and then he's going to pick it up and carry it on his way probably not if he's the kind that already grabbed you and made you carry something he's probably just going to find someone else to carry that bag now right (laughs) and so what's likely to happen is you just finish your mile carrying this thing uh soldier finds some other sad sap a a mile down the road who's going to carry it and now you knowing the pain knowing the inconvenience of what you just had to do (laughs) you're going to have to hand that bag now to someone else and maybe you'd be like "Whew! it's not my problem your problem now good luck guy um and leave but now you know even though that's good for me i mean there goes their whole day and we actually see this um kind of played out in matthew chapter 26 when simon from cyrene actually carried jesus's cross for a little bit right remember that story jesus was on his way to the cross he grabbed simon the cyrene made him carry it and legally he could have had to carry it up to a mile historians estimate that he carried it at minimally 400 meters and at most, three-quarters of mile, And I know for us, I mean, thinking back, I just think how amazing it is that he got to carry Jesus' cross for him, with him, in that moment. Like, he got to suffer in that way, quite literally, with Jesus. Um, but at the time, that would not have been a fun thing to do. He was It was really unfortunate that he got picked out of the crowd. Because at the time, Jesus was being crucified, something done only to the worst criminals. And so as they're walking through the crowd, as Jesus is being yelled at, screamed at, spit on, Simon, this innocent guy, is having to follow along with all that. And he's probably thinking, like, it's not my fault that he can't carry it. It's not my fault that he's a criminal. But nonetheless, he was just either in the right place at the right time or the wrong place at the right time. But here, after all of that, I just imagine Simon then got to look back and just realize what he got to be a part of he became a significant person in history but at the time he was just carrying this thing for another criminal and this is often what would happen in that time it's like well i was innocent this is unfair why do i have to do this and what jesus is saying is one i don't think it's about going above and beyond and i don't think this is about good customer service um, like our culture usually makes it about it's kind of a tragedy in our culture like Every business uses this for like, we provide great service. I saw it on a bus this week, like an insurance company going the extra mile. Um, Because really, uh, this is a dramatic act of suffering in the face of oppression. And if a business says that they go the extra mile, really what they're saying is that their customers are evil oppressors and the enemy. Which might be true. I don't know. But this is about so much more than that. Um, I think what this is about is recognizing that there's evil there's unfair stuff that happens in a world there's injustice there's pain there's suffering that can be placed on you and you could actually continue carrying that further than you're tasked with Um, that you could actually instead of just handing that bag off to some sad person at the end of a mile you could actually keep it you could be the last victim here you could be the last person have their day ruined you can be the last person to have to experience this trauma here if you keep that bag and go another mile no one else has to carry it do you realize that no one else has to carry it. it's allowing the injustice allowing the pain and the trauma to end with you this is going to be the end now some modern commentators i've read um, i think have tried to make this like, about uh, an intense protest, saying that if you were to carry this, then the soldier would get in trouble. And so, this is like a way that we can lean into protest that way. But I don't think that's uh, real. Um, because there's no law preventing you from carrying something however far you want. And Jesus is saying, You walk another mile. You are offering to carry this. This is on your own will. No laws to keep you from doing that. And the idea that maybe if you carry this too far, then the Roman soldier could get in trouble. I mean, think about what a Roman soldier would do then. He knows the laws. He's not going to get in trouble. He's just going to backhand you and take it back. <laughs> and you are going to run away? Now you're a thief? Like, I don't think it's about that. I don't think it's about that protest. I think this is about being the last victim. Being the last one to carry this back. The last one to carry this burden. Because as we consider, Simon carried the cross for Jesus for a little bit. But what did he do? He eventually handed it off to Jesus. And Jesus... Took the cross, took the weight, took the pain and the suffering with him to the grave so that none of us would have to carry that weight either. That Jesus took the punishment for sin and death on himself, and he, in a sense, he was the last victim there. He was the last one to carry that. Now, for us who believe in him, there is nothing for us to carry. There's no wrath left there's no pain and suffering left for us to carry jesus carried it all that's what i think this is about here as jesus is reminding us of himself he's he's not just giving us like clever ways to interact in our world he's pointing us to himself and pointing us to live like he did and in this way where he carried the cross and was the last one to have to deal with it there are many opportunities that we might have to do the same and can you just imagine if we all live like that if pain trauma injustice ended with us if we were willing to carry some things so that others didn't have to if we weren't so quick to just toss that in another person's lap now i know it's kind of a sick idiom in our culture today to recognize that pain and trauma is contagious where we say often that hurt people hurt people right Um, because the statistics do show that because of the human condition we are not often the last victim Um, that victims are often more likely to become perpetrators in the future and we know this in a more tame way where if we have had a bad day everyone around us is now more likely to have a bad day are they not and i think the call here is jesus saying it doesn't have to be like that Um, that just as the pain and the suffering from sin and death ended with him. That our daily pain and suffering, the daily injustices, these things that are placed on us throughout the day, they don't have to be placed on others as well. That it can stop with us. And I think if we live that way, I think we would be working towards a world, and I think what Jesus is looking at is that if his people, if his people live this way, then the shelf life pain and suffering it's going to be a lot less instead of passing from one to the next if we were a people who just took that on ourselves i mean imagine if you heard gossip about someone else and you never spread it never shared it to anyone else it just ended there with you or imagine if you had a horrible day at work and you come home and you don't lash out on your family and make everybody else's days horrible as well Or if there's something unfair that someone at work is going to have to do, and instead of just pushing it off on your coworkers, what if we were the people who willingly stepped up and took that on? I think this would have a profound impact on our city, on the world, on our church, on everything. Because we recognize the way that Jesus did this. So going the extra mile, it's not just about excellent customer service or overachieving. I think it's about how Jesus carried the cross. It's about being the last victim there, being the last one to suffer this injustice. The final example that we have: Jesus says, Give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Okay? Now, first glance, this is kind of tricky. Like, your dave ramsey training is probably like ringing in your head saying abort abort but this isn't just about giving people what they want because we know plenty of other places in the bible make it clear that we're called not just to give people what they want but actually give them what they need and that sometimes just giving people whatever they want is actually really dehumanizing and harmful for them but jesus is saying that if someone is asking you for help and you have the means to do it essentially he's saying help them (laughs) and the other examples are all examples of, like, evil coming at us, someone slapping you, someone suing you, um, someone making you carry this thing. And this is actually, I think, facing or responding to the evil that someone else is facing. Someone else is in need of help. The evil has come on them. Everyone around us is also walking in this world waiting for Jesus' return. And so this is a call to respond to the evil that has affected others with Generosity with selfless generosity and love. The call to serve people who are facing evil, who are fighting these things, with help, with real, practical service in this way. Jesus says, if you know someone who is dealing with an issue and needs your help, help them. That's how we respond to the evil in this world. And essentially, just like with all the other examples, there are all these other responses that we would probably think of and this one very easily you could say like i have the right to just say no to you i have no reason to give you any help right sounds like an issue not an issue me my life's pretty good you good luck with that but jesus is saying that a proper response to evil in all cases is actually with selfless generosity just like it was with the first three this is one that really clicks for us and the other three i think make this one a little more complicated because this one is so simple Someone is facing evil. Love them. Have a generous heart towards them. Help them. This is a a call to step in, to be creative with how we could help in this way. And that one seems pretty simple to us because it's a heart check. And in some cases, we might have a really easy time with this, I think maybe, where it's like, okay, yeah, someone needs help. I'm willing to help them. But this is actually the posture that we have with every other situation where we actually see every person, the person that slaps us, the person that's suing us, um, the soldier who's making us carry this thing, we see the people who are perpetrating the injustice also as the one who's in need, in a sense. And so it's this generous heart that's actually the call to respond to every single situation. Because the whole purpose of, I think, this entire passage is selfless love, right? It's doing what's best for the other person, even if it's not what's best for us it's dying to self right this is an opportunity to deny ourselves for the good of another person and all four examples are actually about the exact same thing here and i think as we move through our week and as we see some similar situations to the slap to the lawsuit to having our code taken to having to go the mile to the money as we move through this week It's going to take some biblical imagination some creativity um, to think how can we respond creatively to this evil we're facing how can we respond with a generous heart approaching these situations these perpetrators of evil with a generous heart in this way and one of the things you will probably notice if you haven't noticed already is that this is really hard right that in order to love people well the way that jesus has called us to think if anything this just shows us our need for jesus this is why ted wore the shirt this morning we all need jesus right because the only way that we can live this way is i think when we approach and face these situations and we recognize our need we recognize our need and we ask him through his holy spirit to empower us to do this because this can't just happen from i think a lot of practice i think this happens from a change in our heart but he has offered that to us and he has power and the ability to change us from the inside out so that when the slap comes, when the mile comes, when all these things come at us, that we have the heart that's able to respond to evil and injustice and pain and suffering in our world with the same heart that Christ has. This generous, selfless love that turns the other cheek, that gives the shirt off her back, that goes the extra mile, that's the last to carry this, and that gives to all who ask. Hopefully this shows us our need. Shows us also just the great power of Christ in you. It shows us that He's the one who's actually given you grace to do something about this. And so, church, um, really, this is something our world needs, is it not? It needs people to respond to evil in this way so that it's not just eye for eye, tooth for tooth, so that it actually ends, so that we're not just reining it in, but who live with the perspective that jesus actually one day will end it all and jesus actually has more power than the evil that we face in this world we're actually living like him could make a difference it lives with that perspective and then it creatively responds in the way that christ-like selfless love responds so let's pray So, Father God, uh, we just recognize that I need your Holy Spirit for this. We just look out at the world and we just see the need here. But, God, I'm convicted by the words of Martin Luther King Jr. that says, well, it can't start with the oppressor. It has to start with us. And so, God, would you just make that start with us? Um, As we see the evil and the injustice in our world, we recognize that you give us opportunities every single day to respond to that. And we could respond to it like you do. The one who was stripped, spat on, and slapped, and who bore punishment that you didn't deserve for us. Would you just keep your son front and center in our hearts and minds this week? As we face the insults this week, as we face the things that are not fair, as we face those who are in need, would we just remember that you took for us we remember how you stepped into a situation that you did not deserve but yet you did it for us and would we be a people who just as you have so generously poured out on us we pour out for others so jesus we just turn to you in this moment and we praise you for what you have done and we ask you to work in us that we may do the same so we love you it's in your name that we pray amen Then I hold on to So come Church, as you go, would you go with the words Second 2 Peter chapter 2? And if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. Because to this you were called. Because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. And by his wounds, we have been healed. So Common Ground Church, as you go, as you face evil in this world, you remember the example of Christ. You live into that high calling that he's given to you. So grace and peace. Thank you for coming. Have a wonderful day.
1: So I Alles ist am